0: Hello and welcome once again to the How Long To Beat Podcast. As always, I'm Alex, joined by... Oh, fuck, it wasn't twice. I did that last Was time. that on
1: purpose <laughs> or did <laughs> you actually... Okay. That again. <laughs> um. I actually thought, <laughs> that I was like, oh, he's doing beautiful. the joke. When we were... oh. You know what the best part is for the listeners? We uh, botched an episode of this podcast last <laughs> week because our my microphone didn't record and Rick did the same thing.
0: Fuck my tiny tiny balls! Oh my god! (laughs) I am Rick, and I'm joined by Alex, Alex number two. I'm Alex number one, apparently, and Paula. And as always, this week we're going to tell you about fuck sake. Sorry, that's so good. We're rusty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... I am in a piece. Okay, this week Mm -hmm. we're going to tell you about the games that we've beaten retired and been playing Uh, and to be honest the way that this has all worked out it's been about three weeks since most of the beatings have happened so (laughs) bear with us um we are going to skip a topic this week in favor of a long overdue question from the community Mm -hmm. um and we're going to finish with everyone's favorite how How long to beat 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 the game game. game.
1: noise oh my god right (laughs) right. alex
0: Alex number two do you want to tell us about the artful escape well before i do that we
1: have oh, before to, you do that Yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. We gotta let uh, good ol' Abotage tell us all about the Fantasy Critic League for September Take it away!
2: What's up everybody, I'm Abbottage, And this is your How Long To Beat Fantasy Critic League Roundup For September 2021 I don't know about you guys, but September seemed to fly by for me And a whole lot happened in the league So let's take our time and get through it Funky Face Studios continued to maintain their position at the top After the release of Eastwood, which added 12 points to their total Despite a few changes during the month Abisoft ended in second place again after the release of The Artful Escape scored 10 points. Aragami 2 was hit with minus four points while Lost Judgment brought in a solid 14 points. And General Goods finished their month in third place thanks to Kiwi releasing at the end of August with a strong 13 points and Deathloop coming out with a decent 18. After bouncing into second position for a short while Frozen Frog finished in fourth after Tales of Arise earned 18 big points, although we're still waiting on a score for Melty Blood type Lumina which dropped right at the end of September but has yet to be scored. Meanwhile reigning champion poor slid into fifth place thanks to Lost in Random earning 8 points, Kena Bridge of Spirits scoring 11 points, and Diablo 2 Resurrected bringing it home with another 11 points. Noise Labs dropped into sixth place after Sonic Colors Ultimate only managed to add four points to their total. However, even with all the shuffling above, Mango managed to stay in seventh thanks to the release of Warrior Wear Get It Together, earning them a useful 7 points. With no releases in September, Ashmasters fell a few spots. However, Beatmasters welcomed the release of Severed Steel, which gained 14 points and provided a little upward momentum as a result. And once again, Horny Mistress lost a few places on the board, thanks to no releases during September. It turns out that even the release of the much anticipated Sable couldn't save CD Projekt Rick from all the movement above, as it brought in 5 points, dropping them down another rank. Although it has to be said that Cockroach Content Corp must be feeling the hurt, as Deltarune Chapter 2 earned a solid 15 points, but it still left them on the second to last once again as CD Product Refund managed to stay on the bottom, even after Life is Strange True Colors scored a promising 11 points, but thankfully they're out of the minus realm, so let's hope it stays that way. And as if that wasn't enough, September also saw a fair few pickups from some key players, so let's see what happened during the month. Frozen Frog made a large bid and acquired Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy for $48, exhausting their budget and leaving them with nothing. Ashmasters dropped Horizon Forbidden West, then picked up Grand Theft Auto Remastered for $25, Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania for $15, and Windjammers 2 for $5, leaving them with $55 left in their budget. And finally Beatmasters successfully acquired Riders Republic for 10 Jet the Far Shore for $12, Severed Steel for 10 and the Dark Pictures Anthology House of Ashes for $10 leaving them with $58 left in their budget, and a whole lot of titles set to release in the final months of the year. They may only have two releases so far, but I wager this is still one publisher to keep an eye on as the final months roll in. And that's how the How Long To Beat Fantasy Critic League shaped up for September 2021. As we head into the final quarter of the year, it's clear that there's a lot of room for everyone to move, even if it feels like a race to second place right now. We can all hope for a couple of flops for Funky Face Studio as they continue to dominate the board and show little sign of letting up. And as we draw closer to the end of the year, keep an eye on the forum and on the Discord channel to find out more about what's going to happen with the 2022 league and when sign ups occur in December. But more on that later. For now, let's get back to the podcast. I
0: knew that was coming. I was just testing you guys. Oh, you passed. You? Yes, that's Congratulations. A good test.
1: <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, um well anyway it was another great september i'm still i I broke the 100 barrier which is pretty nice (laughs) um slowly
3: crawling my way to the top slowly
0: i'm i'm saving myself for 2022
1: yeah i'm feeling pretty good i mean everdread had potential could get me but he got hit by a minus one just recently so i'm feeling a little okay there but we'll see what happens it's not over until the fat lady sings right which
0: is an I was trying to think of a joke, but I couldn't There's really, no real joke really... for it. <laughs> so, I mean, I just want to make, there's not nice and appropriate ones, exactly. so I'm going to hold up on it.
1: Yeah, but for those, yeah. of course, this is an expression, by the way, I'm not just making a random saying.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I am very svelte and also not a lady. <laughs>
1: there you go. <laughs> uh, okay, why, why don't I share, though, what I have beaten, which is the good old artful escape. Which speaking of singing, oh dang it, there was the segue. Um ah! speaking of segue, singing. Uh The Artful Escape is uh it's on Game Pass. Um it's another Anna Perna Interactive published game. Um oh man, what was the name of the company? Beethoven Dinosaur is the name of their the the developer. It's just awesome. Um and it's it's by this uh by a dude who's in a, this Australian band, um the Galvatrons, that was it. He's yeah, he's a founding mentor and lead guitarist, which It shouldn't surprise you that he's totally guitarist. yeah because this this game is like i think the way that he describes it is this game is basically um a game about like say how david bowie became ziggy stardust like that's essentially the concept is that you start as this kind of folk artist but like you're the you're like the nephew of a really famous bob dylan type basically um I mean it basically is Bob Dylan. Like he's got the black shades with like, you know, the like yeah, that kind of folk star. And so this whole town and you, you live in Colorado in this small town. It's gorgeous by the way. The 2D art uh work is just incredible. And you're kind of expected to follow in um his footsteps because he's passed away and so but your character Francis just doesn't doesn't feel any connection to the folk music, you know? Like it's not really what they're interested in they're more interested in these crazy rock opera space ballads kind of thing and so there's there's an implication that this is set in the 60s there, there's no hard fast thing to delineate where you are in time in this game um there are no smartphones or anything so you can pretty safely assume this is like 60s 70s um, maybe more likely early 70s but it doesn't really matter um, so yeah you go on this 2d platforming adventure where you're sort of discovering yourself. And the way that it works is like you you run along and you, you can hold like the X button to like play these solos as you're going. Um, and there are these, a few occasional moments where you're going to have to do these um, like guitar battles with um, other, with like bosses and whatnot, where it's mostly a Simon Says, where you're just like pressing buttons in a repeating pattern to play these solos. They were really fun. There was actually like, they were kind of far and few between, but they were, they were fun. It's super psychedelic. I mean, picture um the Beatles Yellow Submarine movie. Like that's the aesthetic that you're going for in this. Lots of yellows and pinks and purples and you know all that all that good shit. Um not pastel, but very very bright colors, you know. Uh very play-doh, I would say actually. That's 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 kind of how I describe it for color-wise. <laughs> um yeah. It's not that much of a game? Like, I mean, <laughs> I talked about it before. Like, did you know, like, it's like four and a half hours long. You'd be stretching it if you made it longer than that. Um, but like it's not hard by any stretch of the imagination. And so it's doing this fine balancing act, right? Because what makes the game really fun is this fluidity to it, where like you're running through these scenes, you're holding, you're playing your guitar, it's beautiful music, you're like soaring through these vistas. And so if it were too difficult, you would interrupt the flow very often, right? Which in turn would probably make the game kind of annoying. So it has to find this balance between being kind of on autopilot and yet also requiring you to, you know, kind of put inputs into it. So in that way, it's sort of interesting. Now, there are a lot of areas that you can explore outside of these sort of traditional kind of like from one point to the end levels um and there are some meaningful choices that you get to make that um actually felt important to me like it was like there i i mentioned this before there's kind of like this character creatorish moment that happens later in the game that i spent a lot of time on and i i i believe many people will as well because the game I don't know, it's really interesting, because a lot of games, right, you have to create your character from the outset, and you know nothing about them, right, and, like, you're just sort of tasked with doing it, and it's, like, the most important part of a game, (laughs) you know, and it's, it's, like, right at the beginning, and you're, like, I have no context, and this game actually does something, I think, really ingenious, where that comes later, um, and I won't explain kind of like it and it's very unique. And I think it actually is very successful in that regard. And something that I'm like, man, why aren't there more games like this where, you know, you have sort of like a set ish path and then you get to branch out kind of deal. But anyway, beautiful, excellent music. I listen to the soundtrack sometimes cause it's just so good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about it. It's on game pass. So like, it's a no brainer. Like if you, um, have Game Pass, just pop that shit on and have a good time. Man, if you were like a little high, this game would be unreal. <laughs> like, honestly. <laughs> if <laughs> if
0: you're you are a little high, would you be served just watching it? Because my my temptation is so now I've got this Game Pass month coming up, and it's like I might play it, but also eh.
1: I I, I do think you lose something by not playing this game. Like, as okay. much as it is like, because there, there is a personal element to it um, that I do recommend yeah and it's so short okay. that if you were to watch it instead i mean be like the same thing you know you know what i mean and i've like, watched
0: shorter games yeah <laughs> last day of like, June pops straight to my but daughter, what i'll say was is like i don't know if games.
1: sometimes yeah. like it's not hard enough to make it frustrating you know so like like there'd be no i don't know and also you wouldn't want to speed this up or anything because i know sometimes people will watch games and they'll like speed it up a little bit um because it's like I don't. Even yeah, the
0: music them. sort of makes that tricky. I get that. Yeah.
1: Right. And like so that sort of thing. So I would recommend playing this one. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll think
0: about it. I might also think about depending on what you say playing Superliminal.
1: Mm, mm. This game's super cool. So hey, I, I, it is. I, oh, I, I love it. Um, I mean, it's like it's heavily Portal influenced. Like, like very heavily influenced by Portal in the sense of it's structure where you're kind of in this, like, well, I don't actually, is it? This... Nah, well, I won't say, I'm not going to say what the conceit is. Cause I, th- I think it is kind of neat to explore the conceit, but basically just know that like, you know how portal sort of set up, like you're somewhere and you're in some kind of testing of some sort. Um, it has a similar setup like that. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so there's kind of like, you know, seeing around, seeing how things go, but the conceit with this game, And I've heard some complaints about how, like, the puzzles are sort of samey near the end. But I'm also like, what the fuck do you want? This game does, like, the coolest new puzzles I've ever seen. (laughs) And they're, like, too much of, like, this mind-bending, cool new idea. (laughs) I was like, it's only two hours long. (laughs) I'm like, it's not that much. Uh, Anyway, what it does is it plays with perspective. Um, So for those who know, like, the idea liminal. Liminal means, like, uh, space is in between. Um, so I don't know, super liminal, it's a super space in between, (laughs) but, uh, basically what you can do in this game is like, imagine if you hold up, I mean, it's the very basic thing. Like if you're using a camera and you put like, I don't know, uh, you know, soda can up close to the camera, it looks giant. Uh, but then when you bring it further back, it looks tiny. And the idea is that when you do that in the game, if you put the chess piece and you hold it up in front of you in the room and it looks like it's the size of the entire room if you let go it is now the size of the entire room right um which is really cool and hard to imagine until you start playing with it and it allows for some really cool puzzles um some basic ones like you know making space and room to go in but like a lot of just like really bending your mind on perspective um so yeah i recommend it now there is one puzzle there's, there's one puzzle uh, that I just don't think they, um, they, 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 just don't give enough context for it and they don't really ever show you being able to do something like this. Um, at least not in a way that seems to like naturally connect within the brain. Like I found that as I played it, um, most of the puzzles, sometimes it would take me a, you know a little bit to figure it out, but there was like a natural connection that would occur. And this one, it just never did. And it's a, it's a puzzle involving an apple and i'll just say like you'll know when you get there there's also a fan so when you hit this part
0: when the pip hits the fan thank <laughs> yeah, you for you giving go. me that up again. up
1: <laughs> looks <laughs> like i need that one
0: <laughs> i definitely didn't make that joke last time we recorded this and no. be way too fucking oh, proud first of it up. <laughs> definitely not
1: definitely not see your jokes are polished right now it's good <laughs> um although i think they were just as good last time but anyway
0: it's It's a breeze to me it's a
1: breeze oh Jesus Ah. (laughs) oh god okay I was gonna make a core joke but I'm done All right. so as we go along um, if you get to that point just look it up just trust me just look it up because you're not gonna need to look anything else up probably so just look that one up you'll be fine Um, yeah again on game pass very short just like a fun experience to kind of blast through. Maybe in two settings so your brain doesn't explode from the weird perspective thinking. Um, story is nonsense. But like... What kind of fucking story do I even want from a game like this, right? Well, I don't care. <laughs> uh, you know? Um, anyway. That's Superliminal and the Artful Escape. Good Game Pass games, man. I've been playing lots of Game Pass shit these days. They're just... Oh my god. There's so much shit pouring on there. Um, although a little uh a little hint for what i'm going to be talking about next week in terms of game pass games uh let's just say we'll be talking about one that's good but also terrible Ooh, can anyone guess (laughs) i'll leave that for the (laughs) audience to guess
0: (laughs) let us know in the comments down below and while you're there like button's right next to it so you know feel free to smash that
1: just crawl over that like button I want to find mm, really. Just hop on, on it. <laughs> yeah. Hop on it. Only once. <laughs>
0: uh, All right. Let's stop that speaking now. Speaking on
1: hopping around. <laughs> yeah, <please. laughs> uh, in Tomato Adventure, your little guys hop <laughs> on other enemies. Oh. <laughs> there you go. I made it work. Uh, yeah. I beat Tomato Adventure. Fun. I, I have not much else to say about this game. This game is fun. It's a 2D game by the by the Mario and Luigi dudes. It's Mario and Luigi before they put Mario and Luigi in the game. Uh, it's very creative. It subverts your expectations quite a few times, actually, in, in fun ways um, that you're like, oh, that was kind of neat. You know, <laughs> like um, it just, it's just kind of like a wholesome, fun experience. You know, like it's like one of those like really great 8 out of 10 games where you're like, this isn't revolutionary, but this is very fun. Um, mm-hmm. And you like whatever you're expecting from it, it – it's going to give you that basically. Like if you go in and you're like, I want a 2d game where it's a, it's a turn-based game where I press buttons once in a while. It's what it is. And it's just, it's consistent. It's upsetting that it never got localized to be frank. I mean, it's really good, but I also understand that the GBA era was like, it was a minefield. There's a lot of shit going on in that. And there was a lot of, uh, I mean, there's a lot of re-releases, but so I actually, maybe it would have done well. Ah, I don't know who fucking knows.
0: Those games are so cheap to make as well. I, I refuse mm. to accept the localization effort was that much of a... Obviously, it was a financial gamble, but I refuse to accept that yeah. it was that much of a financial gamble. It's game.
1: probably because that company was so new um, and probably just didn't have the resources, to be honest, um, because they'd only made one game before, which was also J- Japan only. Um, it was like a card battle. No, it was a monster. Yeah, it was like a Pokemon-esque game. You tell me. Yeah, yeah, it's this—it's this Pokemon style game that actually was apparently quite good. Which, yeah, anyway, it's—it's it's unfortunate. So many great games that just kind of get lost. That anyway, Tomato Adventure—it's got a translation now. Go sail the seven seas and get yourself a copy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, who's going up next?
3: Um, should I? Yeah, go ahead. Because I, I don't have any retirements. Yeah. Oh, yes, cool.
1: exactly. You go ahead.
3: Okay, so. I completed a whole bunch of games. Mm-hmm. So to be fair, like six of them are really like one, uh, one game, but split into six smaller parts. Pal so... playing that
0: HLTB meta game. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, I playing it because he's the one who recommended this series to me. So it's the Lonely Wolf Treat series. Um by Nom Nom Nami, the creator the creator of syrup and the Ultimate Suite. Who was that, uh, oh, oh. that again
0: one more time? Oh? Who was that again? One more time.
3: Nam Nami. Thank you. I'm <laughs> sorry, I, I I just wanted to hear you
0: say it okay. again. I heard it the first time. <laughs> oh no, yeah, it. I could
1: I could hear that name <laughs> for like days. That is an excellent name.
3: <laughs> it is an excellent name. So um, this is like a story center around this group of characters that are Treat the Wolf, Morty the Bunny, and Moxie the Fox. They are all in a way like mis- misfits. And it is pretty much a tale of them like meeting each other and slowly like forming this budding relationship. The games are fairly short, like half an hour each, and you get to know these characters pretty well since each uh, takes the protagonist role, at least in one game. There are some like bittersweet moments, but overall it is like a very sweet and very wholesome story. Um, again, non non nami the games are free. Um, you can, uh, you, you can like, uh, give her like a tip or something because her, her work is, their work is truly wonderful. Um, so besides wait, that, did you
1: say I Tiamat gave oh. you that suggestion,
3: yeah. yeah Wasn't was, was it the one who was um playing you like know, a month of...
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I was yeah. just gonna say, Tiamat has turned into the resident HIO expert, he's played lots of good ones on there.
3: Yep, and this one was also like very interesting because it is like a visual novel but with RPG elements, mm. and again. It it, it it was a very wholesome adventure. I think there's going to be like a seventh game released sometime this year or next year. Um, so yeah, go check them out. Mm-hmm. Um, the other game I finished was Fire Emblem Echoes, Charizard Valencia. Took me 36 hours, which was less than the last time I played it, but still. I think I still think it is a fantastic game and every Fire Emblem fan ju- should just go and play it or at least try it. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend going with casual mode since there's a particular dungeon in, in, in the game where you can't really save and you can still lose a unit or a critical hit after failing to land an attack because it was too fatigued. Um, so yeah, like keep, keep your own... Ex- Keep your units fed in the in the dungeons. Otherwise, you're not gonna have a good time. I do recommend doing all the side missions that allow you to recruit more characters because um, there are two magic users, Luthier and Delvia, that are magic powerhouses that were like really needed for Alm's army because I said like his army was more traditional and more physically oriented, and the three Pegasus knights. You are able to recruit on Zedica's path are a lifesaver, and they also save like a lot of time on some of the uh, later maps of the game. Um, also, not every cleric inside, because each cleric is or each priestess, no cleric. Each cleric is uh, has a unique ability that you can explain to your advantage in the field. So, you can take out, like, the 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 enemy units, like, in very creative ways, or you can use your cleric to just rescue whatever unit you left in that spot. As I already said, fantastic game, well-balanced, and as always, the music is awesome. Like, the final battle theme was awesome. Like, yeah. It, it, it has one of the, the, like, one of the best soundtracks. Uh, at least from the Fire Emblem games I've played, so go check it out. And finally, this is kind of cheating because it isn't really a completion. It's more like a closed beta I was able to partake in, but it is Age of Empires 4. And this is another RTS in a, this long-running series. Um, and it seems like a return to form to Age of Empires 2, since there's a big fo- focus on managing your economics as opposed to 3 where you pretty much focus on militia and the economy of the game is just there. So we don't really talk about three here. Hmm. There's a bigger emphasis of ma- um, map control since there's like a neutral market smack right in the middle of every map that anyone could use to their advantage. And there's a number of sacred sites that if a player takes control of them for long enough, it guarantees victory. There's There were four... Um, civilizations on the on the closed beta, and where those were English, Abbasid, Chinese, and Holy Roman Empire, and each civil, civilization feels more distinct than ever before, like compared to other games. And now you get to advance like through the ages by building landmarks that are buildings that have special effects or like give you like special units or bonuses. And usually you get to choose between two of them, like for each gate, except for the Abbasid that has like one big landmark that you like continue like building upon or expanding. and um, the Chinese get dynasties, so they kind of like need to build both landmarks to advance through the dynasties and that is a different kind of kind of worms I don't want to get into because, like, that Civilization particularly particular is very, very complicated to play. But it is very fun. Overall, great game. I have faith that it will be, like, a fantastic game once it, like, gets properly released. And also, it's going to be on Game Pass only once. one, so hey. if you have Game Pass, go try it out. It's, it might be your cup of tea here. So, yeah, that's everything I've beaten this week or this month. I don't know at this point. Um, Take it away, Rick.
0: Since the last episode. Yeah. So, um, I've got two completions since we last recorded. And the the running thing with both of them really is excellent, but not as good as the predecessor. So, Mm. the first of those two is uh, Icky Island, the expansion for the phenomenal Ghost of Tsushima. Um, And it's a really good expansion. So it puts you on a new island, loads of new things to explore, a new story which actually hits really hard. It does a great job of not feeling bolted on, although it is an entirely separate campaign. Um, But it feels very organic in the sense that it relates to character beats that were already built up in the original. Mm. Um, And so there's this, this easy flow into the main game and into the character of Jin and his development. Uh, I don't want to say too much on that, although the the story is quite predictable. I think there's something to be said for experiencing it properly in itself. There's a lot in the way that it's told. Bit of a mixed bag in terms of the new inclusions. I loved the archery challenges. I thought they were excellent. Um, I hated all the shrines that make you do this like sing star esque flute section by tilting the remote up and down. I thought they added nothing and just served as a pointless distraction. Um, I also really love the additions to combat. So um, your horse, in my case, my horse is called Kaze, uh, gets a charge attack that is really cool for like clearing out low-level grunts and not having to like get dragged into pointless firefights. Firefights? It's fucking samurai so do you know what I mean? Um, you you <laughs> I also, Conflicts, battles. Yeah, yeah killy stabby yep. moments. You also <laughs> Well, that's a contender for this week's title. That me. is the title, uh, Killy
1: Stabby Moments.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you also uh, get a new enemy type called the Shaman. Uh, they are like your classic hide-in-the-back-and-buff-the-enemies situation. The buff is really powerful in the sense that um, the main combat loot with uh relies on uh, sort of finding a window into an enemy, parrying them, and then attacking them. Um, what the shaman's buff does is it makes the enemy quote relentless so where normally you'd have a bit of breathing room for the other enemies around you while you're sort of powering and attacking they will ignore that they will just sort of go whole hog for you and it becomes a real annoyance so I found myself in a very different way to the the first game if I wasn't stealthing something I would be looking for the shaman immediately because they need to be get gone need to be gotten rid of I can English it's really (laughs) good expansion it's not the 10 out of 10 that the base game was it's a really solid nine in a bit. And if you're someone who loved the original, this is absolutely worth your time. It's another sort of um, maybe four, and a, four to five hours if you just like blitz the main content. More like 10 to 12 if you do everything that the island has to offer, which in my opinion is well worth doing. Um, if you are the lucky owner of a PS5, get the director's cut, yeah? This is a, a great, excuse to sort of take full advantage of PS5 it's with the directors coming with Ikky Island, they've done uh, stuff in terms of bumping up the visuals uh, there is, oh, what do they call it, adaptive trigger support and you can tell there's like a mechanic where you use your grapple hook to pull things away and you can tell it's been sort of designed to make full use of the adaptive trigger but it's not too distracting and it's fine um, I, I feel like if you've got a PS5 this is absolutely um, a game to experience for that because let's that, be honest what other exclusives are there you're probably playing Deathloop. you probably already played Ratchet and Clank. Go, go check this out. The other one is Telling Lies. So this is um, a game by Sam Barlow, who was the man behind Telling Lies, behind <laughs> her story. He was also behind Telling Lies. You're not enough. wrong. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> no, wait, he's got a point. Um, <laughs> the game, it, it, it's very much an expansion in scope of her story. And while I really enjoyed it, I think it suffers a little bit from that expansion. Her story was a very focused experience. Um, there is a singular character. There is a singular setting in which you're seeing that character. And all of the hints that you're reading um, refer to sort of a single web of relationships and a singular set of events. Um, Telling Lies, by contrast, follows um, a man and three women. Those three women uh, are all related to each other by the man. Um and it funnily enough explores the lies that the characters tell each other and the way that those play out. I played this one with my brother and I really, really enjoyed doing it that way. Um I inadvertently played her story that way. Um I started it at the time I lived with a few other people and one of my housemates sort of popped his head around the door to see how it was going. Um and ended up staying for the whole thing because it's just gripping like that. And had a similar experience uh playing this with my brother. We played over sort of three or four sessions. It definitely retains a lot of the charm that her story had in the sense that you're piecing together the plot. um, You're encouraged to sort of make notes of things you've checked, things you need to check. So for anyone who's not played her story before, the way that it works is you have an NSA style sort of um, piece of spyware. You're in one of the individual's computers and you can search for keywords that are said in the video clips. You will only see the first five of any sort of search terms results. So you're encouraged from the initial set that it gives you to look for keywords, names, events, places, um, and expand out from that and sort of put the narrative together yourself. You're never given um, any kind of flowchart or singular narrative thread. It's up to you to look at the timestamps and piece together what happened where and how and to who and and in what way. Um, And that, that there's a real sense of sort of becoming a detective to that. And it's really, really powerful. It's really engaging way of doing what is essentially an FMV game. I found those threads much more um, laborious to piece together and much less rewarding to piece together than I did in her story because you're essentially working with three different sets of relationships instead of the one because um, the three individual women uh, related to the male character aren't connected to each other in any meaningful way. Um, so so what you're essentially dealing with is Dave's relationship to A, B, and C, and it's three different sets of webs, and you've got to sort of piece together what falls in between each. And on paper, that's great because it gives you more to play with and work around. In practice, it makes everything a bit stodgy, um, takes a little bit too much time, more than I'd like, to sort of get to anywhere meaningful with each of those three threads. It's still excellent and like Tsushima and Iki Island, you know, it's still an eight or a nine out of ten. It's still a really good game. Um, but if you haven't played herstor I'd say go and play that first. Um and Her story it's really, was a big really
1: deal too. Like I mean when that game came out, it was kind of like I don't know, I, I viewed it as a bit of like a paradigm shifting game. Like I remember everyone sort of talking about that and because FMV games had vanished, frankly right like they Mm. just didn't exist i mean i'm sure there was like someone making a few of them but when that came out i think it kind of revitalized the idea that like oh yeah you can actually make games of video
0: yeah i mean i'm not so sure that it was responsible for that i mean there's been a few fmv games since i think more significantly um or more significant was the effect that it had in terms of um pushing the envelope for narrative games because It's not too much of an exaggeration to call this like the 12 Angry Men of video games in the sense that it's a singular character in a singular setting um, telling a story. There is very little besides that. And it's not like that a single room game has never been done at any scale. I'm sure it has. But this one had some cut through. Um, It really stripped everything away around that because again, the gameplay mechanic is purely searching for keywords in a terminal and then picking which video to play that's the entirety of the gameplay. Now, 90% of players, myself included, will then find a notepad or somewhere to write down what they've searched and when and how many results it ticked back and stuff like that. But in terms of what's actually coded in, you know, that that's all there is. Um, and I think that was significant in that it resonated with so many people despite, um, and this is ironic coming from me, who's always like, it's about the gameplay, stupid. Like, having so little gameplay. But then it, this goes back to my point, like, If there's enough story to justify how little gameplay there is, I'm on board for that. I was fully fucking on board for her story. And I'm almost fully on board for telling lies. And I'm very excited for Sam Barlow's upcoming game, whose name I am going to have to Google because I don't want to not mention it because it's coming very soon. uh, And it should be a doozy. It's shaping up to be a doozy. Um, I've liked the look of the pre-release. Immortality. But yeah, that's all I've got to say. Two excellent games that I would only recommend to people that have played the things that came before them because the things that came before them are absolutely required reading and or slightly better.
1: Mm. You know, it is interesting though. Like I- I'm just looking at, there's a interesting website that like tracks FMV games. Um, Ooh. but I don't know what their criteria is. Cause some of these, I'm like, I guess they maybe have it in there, but I don't know. But since 2015, <laughs> there's been like a marked increase in FMV games. Um, Like when you look at twenty fourteen before, there were some, but they were kind of like web-based games. And like twenty fourteen only had four and then sudden or like five and then suddenly there's like eight. Like it's like every year after there's just like a massive increase. Like, I don't know. I think I think maybe what we saw her story did was like beforehand, like you saw some of these, but they were usually like Mac and Windows and like those kind of you know, Mystery Case Files, Shadow Lake, like, you know those games that have those weird fucking names?
0: Yeah, and the full motion video is very loosely used, like, mist esque thing where it's, like, 40 by 40p.
1: Yeah, right, like, one Dark Alley's Penumbra Motel, like, that kind of shit, and then, like, (laughs) you know, like, these fucking names. Then you've got Her Story in 2015, you got The Bunker coming in 2016, and then Late Shift as well, that was another big one. Uh, Quantum Break, technically, but it's not really, I don't know, they're counting it, but it had video clips in there erica yeah Mm, yeah Yeah. um still needs to play that one yeah there's just tons right like um and there's you see more and more of these games i mean then night trap came back in 2017 remember like it was like suddenly they're like oh yeah here's the anniversary edition of it and it's like i don't know we could do a whole friggin' episode on (laughs) FMV because it is such a weird world (laughs) Um, They're like,
0: oh shit! We can release this shitty old game for forty pounds on a Switch cartridge, and people will fucking buy it. Yeah, I think think it was a Vita release as well, out of fucking nowhere.
1: (laughs) I think. Let me see. Um, Night Trap. Yeah, it was on Vita. Vita? Yeah, PS4, Vita, Switch, and Windows. I know.
0: Who Um, wants to play Night Trap on anything? Let alone the Vita? Uh, Yeah, you want to get the good (laughs) old (laughs) LED? Oh my god! You can do that on Switch now. So yeah, there (laughs) you go. Right. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you get it on the Switch. Um, Okay. Anyway. Let's, uh, let's Speaking talk. of
0: switching, oh, let's on. switch to our retires.
1: Ooh, nice. I like that one.
0: Ooh, go um, ahead, Alex.
1: Yeah, why don't I talk? So I've got one here. Um,
0: <laughs> That's a... helpful for a podcast. Just a... <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> or still, so they say. Um, oh. So, wait, what? Uh, I missed something for a second. I was like taking you, notes. You went,
0: oh, why don't I talk? And I said, yeah, that'd be helpful for a podcast. Oh, I see.
1: I said, well, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Well... I'm retiring Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons, and it's not (coughs) for any, like, huge, big reasons. I mean, okay, here's the deal. I've played these games before, a couple years ago. Um, And, you know, I wanted to get back in on it because it was Game of the Month. And the reality is, like, I got through to about 6th or 7th Dungeon, I think. And I was just kind of done. Like, I had my fill... And I had a lot of other, um, handheld games going, you know, I had tomato adventure going on, playing, um, ace attorney and stuff. And there was a few others that I wanted to touch on actually playing a new game. That I'll talk about next week, but like, I just kind of couldn't justify it. Like it was kind of fun. I was playing while watching TV, but like, I've been getting a little busier too now. And like, I don't have as much time for that um, as things are ramping up a little. So I was just like, I think I'm kind of done. I'm also a little sad. Cause like, um, I think so many people have had rough experience with the games now for game of the month. And I understand why. Um, I also think this is a game that like, sounds to me like emulation is a bit tougher with this one. Um, but in general, ugh, this is a problem too with emulation, man. You save states, you you just, you lose them a lot, you know? Like it's just, it's, it's the Achilles heel of emulation which can be really great and experience a lot of things but for long narrative games you're playing a game of goddamn russian roulette very often (laughs) Uh, (laughs) especially if you're using flashcards and stuff so it's like you gotta be careful um i remember having experience with that that's why i swear by at this point i'm just like Everdrives. they're expensive but never had a goddamn problem if you get the get what easy, you pay for. yeah, the easy flash cards, yep. fucking trash. I'm I'm done with those. They're just
0: they're, they're good just, on GBA. No, they're good on GBA. I've been having
1: GBA problems now. Um, they're they mm. have a fucking finite life to those things, man. I've had them drop in saves, and I've had them like needing to like like weirdly reformatting and stuff. It's I know they're better on GBA. Yeah. But they're still trash compared to the EverDrive. And I, I get it because they're cheaper, right? And it feels like, oh, I want that one. But I'm like, there's a reason you shell it out, you know? If you want consistent fun times, it's like shell it a little bit more for an EverDrive. But listen, or you could just be non-neurotic and just play it on your fucking PC and it's fine. But, <laughs> but I want it on my Game Boy. <laughs> anyway. Yeah,
3: but the pick-up like the, the R4 I had and I was playing mm-hmm. them, Mm-hmm. Uh, kinda tight, so yeah. Yeah,
1: they're not perfect. The flash
3: cards not not good, yeah. or they they don't last forever. Like they they really die fast.
1: Yeah, ever drives are proven for a reason. You know, uh, Crick's does some good shit with those. Um, anyway, besides that, retired Oracle Seasons. Uh, again, it's an old game. I still think it's fucking beautiful. Like it just is gorgeous looking. Um, especially for a Game Boy game. It's like, it's absurd how beautiful it looks. Um, It plays greatly. Yeah, you have to switch your items a a lot, but they build that into it, right? You press that menu button, immediately it's up. You hit the one you want, you press it, you're back in, right? Like they streamlined it so that there's no fuss to it. Um, I still think this would make an incredible remake in the like um, Link's Awakening style. Um, If you packed these two together, Holy funny.
0: Nintendo absolutely sell those as two separate cards. Oh, I know. I know.
1: If Capcom had controlled, maybe they would put it as a bundle. Uh, because again, it was still a Capcom game, but yeah. Um, because Capcom's a bit better on that, I think. Um, not always, but a little bit. (laughs) All this is to say, for those who had a hard time with them, I'm sorry. These are still my favorites, but (laughs) oh I also want to give a warning though, because I've heard a few people they're talking about some of the obscure nature of the quests and they're talking about going to try Link's Awakening and saying that it's probably better and that it's not. I'm going to warn you right now, not at all. Link's Awakening is more obtuse sometimes than the Oracle games. I would argue actually it's a lot more obtuse than the Oracle Link. games. Um,
3: I didn't find Link's Awakening to be obtuse at all.
1: Which one did you play? The new one or, or are you talking about the older one? I, I played
3: well I mean, I did play like part of the GBA one. No, the Game Boy Color one before the the remake was okay. announced, but and see, then the I stopped, remake... and then I jumped into the. Oh, sorry. I jumped into the remake, and, and yep. Yeah.
1: Okay. The remake is different. <laughs> like they polished a lot of Links Awakening. Um, there's a lot more uh, hints as to what you need to do next in uh, the remake. Um, and in general, although there is still one thing that's very obtuse in terms of the trading sequence. Um, that's still quite there, but I, I would actually argue that the, the remake and even that, I still think the remake is fairly obtuse at times. Um, particularly if you're not like, cause sometimes an important piece of information will get thrown at you in a dialogue. And then it's like, hope you read that motherfucker. Cause you'll never hear it again. (laughs) (laughs) ah, ah, (laughs) I hit the B button too fast. Um, but it depends on your level of like you know on your ability with that. Like I know like Paola, you've played a lot of games like Link's Awakening before. I'd say, and like you're, I I would say you're very well versed in the in the Zelda lexicon, right? Like that's, I think that's an accurate statement, right?
0: <laughs> Paola's Me? too busy blushing to respond. Yeah, <laughs> She's like I might be a pro. <laughs> I'm not blushing. <laughs> I'm not blushing. You're blushing. blushing. Yeah,
1: but no, like Paola, you're very good at these games, and like I I think if you're not versed at all in that like if you if you have a hard time with the oracle games you will probably still have a bit of a hard time with the links Awakening game not to say don't do it just just be aware that like you may want to grab a guide once in a while and that honestly a lot of the early zelda games are really really fun with a guide like i know it sounds weird but like i think Paula and i talked about this i played the original zelda using um phil summer's hand-drawn guide it's really fun with that guide oh
3: yeah right yep you need a guide for the very first one and maybe the second one, but yeah. not as badly.
1: No, not as like I. I think you can definitely play through. Like even when I was playing Seasons again, there was a couple moments where I went, "Oh wait, what am I supposed to do next?" <laughs> and I was like, I could figure it out. But it's funny because what they what they want you to do is explore, right? Um, but when you mm-hmm. get to my old age <laughs> and I'm fucking lazy and I don't have time to explore for three hours to figure out what to do next, I'm just like. <laughs> Tell me what to do, but um, you if sure. you have more time, you can you can organically explore and you'll find the solutions pretty fine. And it's actually probably it, more fun to do that. But sorry, Pablo.
3: Yeah, maybe I was thinking that maybe like if you're able like to get a hold of uh, the game manual because mm. there's like um, a couple of sites that are dedicated to cons- to preserving game manuals, mm-hmm. and at the very least, I can say that the first and second Zelda games were way more fun using like having that manual because not only it gives you like the the overall story of the game but it also gives you a lot of uh, hints on what on what to do so maybe Mm -hmm. um for the oracle games uh looking up the game manual may actually like enhance the enjoyment of the of the playthrough very much
1: yeah, like I would, yeah, I'd recommend even looking up the Oracle Seasons one because, wow, it is a very, very in depth um, manual that explains a lot. Like, especially because I've heard people talking about how, like, they didn't realize you couldn't lift up all the pots and, like, it's right in there on the thing. Like, it's like BT dubs, you need a thing to lift and throw stuff. So, like, yeah, it's one of those things where you're right, like, these old games, and it's hard. I If, if you play a Game Boy game, My advice is find the manual because Game Boy games are NES games, right? That's, that's the reality. They're basically on that same area where like tutorials Mm. didn't really exist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is that an excuse for the game? No, but you know, the reality. Um, Anyway, that was a longer rant on, oracles than i thought i'd give but i do love these games so give them a shot but maybe have a guide <laughs> <laughs> so you don't hate your experience have either of you oh yeah you are playing this one aren't you rick
0: i am i if by playing i mean i'm still at the intro but i they, that's the rom that's on my psp right now so yeah okay hopefully um, i don't have the uh emulation troubles that everyone else is having
3: yeah uh, I, hope... I just need to finish a couple of games before i can jump into the game that i read with peace of mind because (laughs) not Mm -hmm. looking good
0: oh that's fair you're busy as hell okay my retirements are way quicker at least yeah so (laughs) two two again for me the first is uh kind aka the latest installment of rick doesn't finish puzzle games yeah (laughs) uh it's it's a great (laughs) game i just got to the bit where like all three of the characters came together and it's like all right these puzzles were fun with one person with three people, my brain is starting to melt and I'm not having fun anymore. So I'm a head out, which is what I did. And it's still great. And if that's your lane, absolutely go and check it out because it's an excellent game with a lovely soundtrack and a really beautiful sense of style. I just could, I wasn't going to finish it. Each one of those. Um, Vagrant Story was a little bit more of a disappointment. This is just one where it's sort of an age thing. And uh, I sort of did a double take when I was Googling around it. This uh, Famitsu gave this a 40 out of 40. And I think that that probably speaks a lot to when it came out rather than what it does. Because this is a game that dropped in 2000. Uh, It was almost like the skyward sword of the PS1 in that it represented the pinnacle of what that hardware could do at that time. Graphically, mechanically, holistically. Uh, The facial animations in that game are really, really impressive for the PlayStation. Um, The art's lovely. Uh, The soundtrack's real nice. Um the story is very epic in scope and scale, and for the first two thirds of the game, the combat was great mechanically it was really good it you know it was flawed, it definitely had its um weaknesses and fracture points, but it was fun, and I was having a good time. The problem is that the game really wants you to craft the game only gives you a tiny, tiny amount of slots to hold the things that it wants you to then craft with and towards. It also gives you very little guidance as to what you really need to do um, to be effective. Like, it hints at certain things, but there's almost an expectation of a lot of trial and error. And maybe in the year 2000, when the PS1 was the cutting edge of everything, uh, I might have been willing to sort of stick with the game and do that. But um, as a player in 2021, the one-second lag between every single menu section Unfathomably annoying. the the fact that the you the fact that the menus are set up so that you need four or five clicks to do something that should maybe be one click away, unbelievably frustrating. And all of that's then compounded by the fact that you can actually only craft in five places on the map in the entire fucking game. It's like why? Why, if you want me to craft, do you make me travel to the four corners of the earth whenever I want to craft something? (laughs) On on whose piece of paper was that written down as a good idea, as a good way to do this? So stupid. And I got myself to a point where, um, because I'd sort of coasted along on the combat with what I thought was a reasonably good setup to get me through the game, um, I got to the point where, oh, no, actually, there were two um, very poorly explained sliders that were the wrong way around. Also, I wasn't using the right blade. Also, I needed to tweak certain things to adapt to this specific enemy to the point where I was attacking and doing zero damage. Ooh. Right, and I had I had two ways of fixing this. Um, I could either run 15 minutes through the map to the place where I could craft, try something else and then run 15 minutes back and see how it goes. Or, um, because when you predicted zero damage, you still, if you can chain your risk sort of, do one and then two and then three and then four bits of damage, uh, but these enemies could heal themselves and they're actually remarkably effective at it. So um, even if I tried to brute force it, the chances are I would have run out of risk reducing um, consumables before I had been able to brute force my way through. And even if I had been able to brute force my way through, that would have left me with scant little resources to do anything on the next screen. So I I just watched the rest of the story on YouTube and um the story is not groundbreaking it was a fun story i'm glad i watched the ending of it um i'm just sad that the game sort of blocked me off from from sort of experiencing the ending of it because it it's just really poor design ultimately it's um something that needed another 12 months in the oven to be sort of tweaked and play tested and and rebalanced because it, it just wasn't right as is to me in my mind um I think I still left it as a 7 out of 10 I might have dropped it down to 6 I think given the ease that w- of which the game can be obtained and or emulated um I think it's well worth people experiencing if they've got an interest in that era of gaming um in that game specifically in that little sort of nugget of screen history uh in in an off forgotten corner of the Avalis alliance um I think technically it's more like hints and uh cameos and stuff but theoretically this takes place in a distant past version of a so that's cool, sort of a cool little nugget as well um anyone else swerve to be honest you know I'm, I'm glad i played it i'm glad i played it and i'm glad i tried it which is ultimately a good place to be in coming out of that game um i was going to try and make a snap out of it but let's forget that <laughs> Paolo, just tell us about the games you're playing <laughs> Maybe starting with Pokemon Snap so that it sort of makes a little bit of sense. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, so in New Pokemon Snap, I've been, like, I've been progressing through the main story. And also, I've been getting, like, more tools to make, like, revisiting each level, like, more 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 fun, or more involved, and not just, like, trying to wait for that one Pokemon I have to take a picture of. Um, because I got a new item that is the flute, so I can wake up sleeping Pokemon or make Pokemon dance. And I also got these Lumina orbs that I can throw at the Pokemon at certain islands or at the Lumina crystals and pretty much like make them glow or do stuff. Um, besides that, I also, got an upgrade for the, um, for the machine you're like in. So I now can like turn my character into a very small character and see everything like from a whole other perspective and take pictures of more Pokemon. And it is, it, it can be like very frightening because uh, it, like all the Pokemon look like giants and it, Brings me memories from from the anime, from the Isle of Giant Pokemon, or oh yeah. There, there were like a couple of cap uh, of chapter or blah. blah. There were like a chapter. I can't speak today. <laughs> wow. There were a couple of episodes yeah. <laughs> like about giant Pokemon. Um mm. they are terrifying. Do you don't want uh Adult Rio to mistake you for for any type of Pokemon, you really don't. <laughs> so yeah, <Bear>. that's Pokemon Snap <laughs> for now. Um, I've been also playing Ghost Streak, Phantom Detective. I actually had to transfer my save from the R4 to the, um, to the actual 3DS. Because my R4 died and I lost like a chapter worth of progress in because of that but now i am back into the game i think i'm around chapter five i want to say and the plot begins like Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm very happy with how the game is progressing right now and there was like one particular puzzle that it takes like timing to to solve and you can feel very, very smart after completing those. Hmm. So, yeah, like, fantastic game so far. And, oh, before I forget, um, someone in the comments uh, told us that Ghost Trick Phantom Detective is available on the iOS store. Not on Android, but if you have an iPhone or any Apple device, you may be able to play it.
1: Yeah, I think that was and... Cyber who mentioned that, yeah, on the Apple Store.
3: Yep.
0: And if you have an yep. Android device, you can definitely emulate it, because that's how I'm playing. So, you have options. You have
3: options. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's Ghost Trick. And I'm also playing Nightshade. I'm playing a lot of the time against some help. And i finished like, the first round of the game and letting it sit for, for a while, because too many games right now ongoing. I can't keep track of all the stories, but so far so good. And then moving on to uh, the line of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I completed a train, found some Kirks and currently farming rubies and guardian pieces to craft ancient arrows, because I pretty much want to tease the stealth section Blah. I want to tease the stealth section on my on my way to Van mm. Uh, you know what no one can see you, there's nobody to see you <laughs> <laughs> Just, so so that's the plan for now. From the Great Calamity to the Red Calamity moving on to the latest Otome game localization by Axis, Olympia Sore. Let me tell you, I finished I already finished four of the six routes in this game, so bubble up. I actually wrote my notes so I don't ramble for I don't know half an hour like plus time. So there's this mysterious island in the middle of the ocean surrounded by whirlpools where the residents are born like with very colorful color traits, like orange hair and eyes, for example. And they have, like, um, the people on the island have, like, a case or class system based on which color each individual is born with, regardless of their parents' class. The reason being that originally there were three pi- primary classes, and each was given something by this outsider that is pretty much considered to be, like, the god of the island, uh, who is called Lord Himku. Was it Himuk? Himoko. Himuko. Sorry, I can't pronounce names now. So, the glasses created were the blue class that were given the, the power of Batsu and that allows them to send the dead back to heaven and crystallize their soul and body into these little crystals called Sho. The yellow class that the members of this class are the only ones who can attack with Lord Himoko. So, they had like more political power in the in the island and the red class who were given cursed blood and soil someone didn't read the fine print here like they they they, they got the third end of the streak from those three ruling classes the secondary color classes were born so vermilion orange jade green cyan aqua violet purple and fuchsia everything outside those classes are like, they're like lower classes. So you have the Otsu, who are people with three or more color traits. And then you have what the higher classes call like the unsightly color classes, which include people with four plus color traits or red or like muted colors. So all of those live in the underground district called Yomi which by the way is full of spider lilies and those are always like not good. I'm still like intrigued by it, but by, by, by the reasoning of why they have those there. Okay, enough of the world, let's get to the actual story of the game because Olympia is like the only survivor of the white class um, from an event called the Red Calamity. And her people are said to be like Amaterasu's daughters and her prayers and dance are what keep the sun shining once she's reached adulthood she is called by the to- Kotowari that is an organization in church of keeping track of everything going on on the island and like keep the clerk classes going and she's told that she has to find a husband within a year so she can like bear children so the white class doesn't like go extinct and doom everyone in the island because the sun isn't gonna shine anymore and this is the story into motion as she has to leave behind like her dog-like self and actually start meeting people and interacting with people on the island. And also she starts learning more about uh, Tengu Island in the process, as prior to this, she either lived on Tengu Island, that was the place where her her mother and the other people of the White lived. And then she lived a shelter life in the care of the jail class. The more she knows about the island uh, and its inhabitants, the more she realizes that, one, she had like a very privileged life because, well, this island is kind of fat, so um, she's free to get away with a lot of stuff because she's of the white plus. She was homeschooled to a, to a certain degree and was incentivized to read a lot, which most women on the island aren't really allowed to do. They aren't allowed to get an education. Second, this island needs to change as not only like the very street and a fair class system well is unfair, but this very same class system is bound to hurt people in many ways. Like for example, not only like the law system privileges like certain classes, but also like the overall el- elitism and the drive to keep the higher classes like pure. Discussing like actual medical issues, like stillbirth and higher rate of illness and mortality in said classes. Uh, there's a lot going on here. Like the, the, on the, um, I'm now like in an Automa Discord and they were actually like trying to figure out like how the, the genetics work in this place. And like, how are the, what are the chances of, uh, people actually like import with different color kits. That aside. Um, the overall uh, tone and story of the game is very interesting, not gonna lie. Olympia herself is a very, very, very uh, interesting protagonist, not only as she has, like, more freedom, um, like, to, to explore and do whatever she wants, but also because she has, like, the drive to learn and to change things. And since she was once an outsider and now and then, like, lead like, not aware of uh of the intricacies of the class system. She pretty much has like no um preconceived notions about what you expect from the people of different classes or anything like that. So she's a very refreshing protagonist. She's very like um, outspoken. I want to say. And she has like this particular like train of thought that is like active through um, a big part of the game that makes her a very fun protagonist to uh, to follow. Which is great because this game is very long. I'm like forty hours in, and there's a lot more to to discover of the about the island. I, there seems to be like an overall mystery. I am sorry for for the information them. <laughs>
1: oh, that's fine. I'm but saying I'm mother really... of God in the length.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So that that was Olympia Sore. I'm gonna jump to the last time before I jump to the other no-no time game I have here. So Amnesia later on the beta, Um as I said, to go to or fan disc to um, Amnesia Memories, and. And currently, I am. Um, I want to say I'm almost done with the game because I the. Like, I finished like the walk side story. I finished like the. Like the. Friends side story because there's like three female friends. Friends the protagonist has and they kind of like. Um, had an. The, there was an event in the game, uh, around that. Um, done with. Uh. Tokyo, I'm done with Shin, and I'm like halfway through Thomas' story. And one of the fun things about this game is that you see like sides of some characters that you don't really see. So there was like this one character that was not very nice in the first game, but she's actually like very friendly on this game. And also like the, the excuses they give you like to go like... I guess to keep things fresh, like in the, in the new world segment of the game, where you're like trying to find a firefight with everyone else, uh, are kind of silly, like uh, on this one, like the, the rest of the guys, I, like Toma was alone because the, the other guys were like, just building like a little dam under a bridge, because why the fuck not? Uh, to the point that they... The the character say like, yeah, they are like beavers. They they I don't know, they're playing but like beavers on the the bridge. Which is a very good segue um, on actual beaver game. <laughs> um no shame here, sorry. <laughs> so Timberborne. Timberborn is a game that I first played on the um Steam Games Festival. Uh, it's a city builder with beavers and it is amazing. And it is now out on Steam on early access. And I totally recommend it to everyone. And there's a sound because, uh, there's so much to do on this game and so much to the game. So, right now, there's like two, um, groups of beavers like the folk folk tales and the. Iron teeth and um, the folktales are like regular beavers, you that do beaver things and stuff like that. Uh, there's nothing like too out of the ordinary about them, but the iron teeth are like I don't want to say cyber beavers, but they have technology. Like, um, there's actually a thing you're gonna do on, on this particular kind of beaver that they use like. Breathing pods, so you can literally have, like, um, like, and I want to say like an 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 emergency protocol where if you, all your beavers die, you can just like resume the, the breathing pots and like just rise rise from the ashes and and restart your civilization without like any major setbacks. And. I actually want to try that, like, um, later and just playing with the fucktales because why not? And I actually tried one of the maps that is called, uh, Diorama. And it's a very tiny map. So resources are very, very limited and you have to be like very strategic, especially at the start of the game. Needless to say, I fucked up. So yeah. Uh, that's Tim <laughs> Nice,
1: damn! Yeah, you had a, you had a quite the week of playing, huh? Weeks. Yeah, <laughs> <Is that laughs> health.
3: So many. I would have tomato. played more if it weren't for school, but
1: fair. Yeah. Hey, that's life, right? I'd play many more games if it weren't for all my commitments. <laughs> <laughs> You're muted, there, Rick.
0: <laughs> uh... <laughs> I was just saying, big mute. I was just agreeing with <laughs> you. So yeah, fine.
1: Nice. That's what I figured. Uh, <laughs> who's up next? Why don't Why don't I? Jump in here. um mm-hmm. I'm playing more Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Man, I got the Satisfy grip for my Switch Lite. Mm. So nice. It's just like you know, it adds little sides to it. The the Switch Lite's already super light, but something that I find about it, and I find this with the old Switch too. It's like the the rounded edges are nice, but like my hands are kind of big and weird, and like trying to find the right way to hold it. It's always odd. But these Satisfy grips, it just like clicks in there and it feels good and i feel like i can like hold it for longer and it's just more comfortable i wouldn't take it with me anywhere but like when i'm at home lying on the couch it's nice to just have that there so it's more like a normal controller you know um, i feel
0: like it's low hanging fruit to ask if you're satisfied with it but i'm sort of wanting to anyway. i think that's why they <laughs> called it
1: satisfied. i think that's why they called their brand that <laughs> um it's making me actually think that i think the valve deck's gonna be pretty comfortable because it has that rounded like actual grip edges to them mm. and i like seeing that i'm like man I think they got I think they know what's up because like the switch with the lack of it it's hard to hold for a long period of time. Um I find that with most handhelds too to be honest. Like the 3DS is disgustingly bad to hold. Like there is yeah. like, no way to hold that thing comfortably. Yeah. Like you're just like the <laughs> fuck?
0: It it weight distribution's all off as well in the way that the DS Lite never was. Weirdly. <sighs> Someone but said, Valve know their ergonomics. Like if the Steam controller yeah. is anything to go by, they they know their, their ergonomics. Their yeah. economics, their ergonomics.
1: And Nintendo gets there eventually usually, but <laughs> actually I don't even know. I don't think the new th- 3DS was any better. I think it's still just a pain in the
3: ass. But
0: as the one I had. It's still super uncomfortable.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. I still love it, but it's a pain in the ass.
3: Yeah, me too. <laughs> but, Paul, I here? just really like the one outlier that is like totally like, okay with the control scheme. Yeah, I think part awesome of it you know? is because I'm like They have like really small hands. So, maybe, yeah. It's not so. It's like a
1: little. I'm not like upset with the control screen. It's just, it's just awkward to hold, I think. You know what I mean? Like, it's like I can do it, but it's like no matter which way I do it. Like, if I have my stylus out, you know, you're resting it on like one part. And so, like, it's just kind of like an awkward weight. And then, like, if I put it in and I'm holding it, it's better that way. But I'm never really playing a game only like that, you know? It's like a DS, yeah. I've got that thing out, so, oh. yeah, it's the stylus thing, but whatever. Small complaints. You know
0: what they say about people with uh, big hands? They really struggle to hold a Nintendo 3DS.
3: <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Jesus. <Jeez. laughs> On the stylus comment, I was actually gonna bring out like, um, Kid Icarus Uprising because that was the one game I couldn't complete because of the controls. Listen,
0: with the yeah. stand, it was great. Obviously, that sort of defeats the object of a portable, but those games are always best with a stand. And when you've got a stand, stylus aiming in 3D space, wonderful. Yeah, you love it. that's true. Dimension Metroid, oh.
1: Then you get a little bit into Virtual Boy territory, though. So it's a little like. <laughs> yeah you know well I mean? you need that but with stand. 3d that actually works this time yes yeah. for sure like you need that stand yeah when the 3d does hey you know great ace uh, uh attorney chronicles actually
0: teaches back on topic yeah yeah no it
1: actually teaches <laughs> you how stereoscopic 3d works and it's yeah really cute and fun and i was like oh shit this is actually because at first i was like oh is this a remnant from when this was a 3ds game but no you could just do it with your own eyes and i was like oh yeah i, I like part of my it, brain knew that like, really yeah 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 you can do it on your own. All oh, you need good. to do stereoscopic 3D is two images um, that are slightly different. And then you just have to cross your eyes until those... You can do it with your fingers, actually. And you can create one finger um, that looks um, like 3D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick's going to have some joke and right. laugh in here in the corner. Um, <laughs> My mind's in the gutter. I know it is. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to leave it there. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's uh, really... like I I love this game. I do think that... So I'm on the fifth case right now of the first game. <laughs> um, and I, I will say, I see why this game was received mixed in Japan when it first came out. I It's good. It is good. But I think I'm more lenient to it because I know the second half's coming. And it has to set up a lot of stuff. And even in the fifth case, you start to see some of the things that they've been setting up start to come around. But you can already, like, you can still tell there's a lot more. Like, there are these mysteries that they're hinting at and that they're showing. And it's like, I, I can't wait to get to the next game because I'm like, oh, here we go. Um, and it's too bad. I-, I I sort of wish they had waited and let them just complete 10 cases and release it as a collection like this. Um hell they could have done that on the 3DS and just it could have been just more expensive you know what i mean like it's like people would have been i, I think people would have been fine with that if you got 10 cases in one and it's like literally double in japan, the size maybe
0: in you, japan maybe right
1: um but like like i mean cuz like the price of the game here right now is technically um double what the game would cost if it was just 5 cases right um because these games have yeah, always it, been cheap yeah. yeah so that's why i mean like i think it would have been fine um but anyway, that's not, neither here nor there. Um, oh, yeah, powder.
3: Actually, I wonder if there is like, um, is there any, like, twin pack on on Japan? Well, there because... is, this
1: collection is in Japan.
3: Oh, yeah, but I mean on 3DS, because mm. it happens often that whenever there's, like, two games that are supposed to, like, be paired together, there's usually an option to buy them like as a set or as a twin pack. So it yeah. actually happened with the Hakuoki games. Like when the second one came out, they also did a twin pack.
1: I'm sure. But the problem is that it was released in 2015 as a solo. And then the second part was released in 2017. So frankly, if they have a twin pack yeah. after that, it doesn't matter. The problem is the wait, right? You had that first game and it's not yep. really conclu- it doesn't really conclude nicely. And then you have to wait two years for the next part. I can kind of... see, Like, for instance, to give an example, Deltarune Chapter 1. I was just looking through my completions. I completed that game in 2019. They, uh, Toby just released it. Uh, Toby Fox just released Deltarune Chapter 2 like a little while ago. And I'm like, motherfucker, I don't remember what the shit happened in Deltarune Chapter 1. I was like, fuck, <laughs> you're talking about That was like two years ago, man. Uh, and there was a big year in between. <laughs> um, so I've just... I'm like, I really think it's awesome that he's releasing these for free. But I'm also just like... I think he said he's just gonna wait until it's all done to release the next part, and I was like, "Yeah, then I'll play the game. I'm not. I'm not doing this pieced out stuff because I just forget. I'm an old man."
3: <laughs> yeah, now that I think about it, like the only reason I wasn't like either disappointed or like mad about, I guess, like how so much was there for the second game to, mm-hmm. to to go through, like, um, was mainly because first um first like yeah first i already knew there was like another game and i yep. already had the other game though, in japanese mm-hmm. um a second one so like the translation like was i have withdrew and then like capcom came and was like yeah you're getting both on the switch yeah
1: exactly right like it's like because you knew it's fine but i can imagine for japanese gamers at the time like i can i can see where they're coming from that being said i still yeah. love this game it's really fun um the fourth mission has a writer, Natsume Soseki, who's like writer of, I think it's like, uh, I Am Cat or something. Like, uh, he, he wrote this book about a cat. I'm pretty sure every Japanese person has read his stories because I'm pretty sure it's like, you know, whatever your equivalent to like elementary or like middle school books that you have to read, I'm pretty darn sure Soseki is that guy for Japan. So, um, and he was actually in England around the time of these games. So like it all checks out and it's kind of fun. And there's some like Easter eggs if you know that history. So if you're going to play the game, maybe look up who that dude is before you play and you might, uh, see some fun stuff in it. Um, Sherlock is, or or Herlock, whatever the fuck, um, it's it's Sherlock Holmes. Uh, he's great. Um, so stupid, so unbelievably stupid, but like in the most charming way ever. And then also very smart, but also, but like also maybe not dumb. Like there's this whole thing that like goes on with Herlock where it's like, maybe he is, but there's like all these hints that like, maybe not. And like, there's, there seems to be something else going on. And so, I'm excited to unravel what's happening with this because, like, either way, I think they're doing a master stroke with this, um, this character, and uh, yeah, all the characters are fantastic, and I'm loving it. So that anyway, that's Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Really, really, really good. Really, really recommend it. Um, even if you've never played an Ace Attorney game before, this is a great one to just jump in on because it's not connected to the present games. You need to have no knowledge of them. In fact, it does new things like with the jury system and with the witness systems, which are really cool. And I think it actually fixes a lot of the problems of older Ace Attorney games. Um, Each case has a different structure. So like you're never going to, it's never the exact same. Like I think some people have sometimes complained that the Ace Attorney games was like investigation, court, investigation, court, investigation, court. Like that was the structure of them. But in this one, it it's quite different. Some cases you're investigating for like four freaking parts and then you're going into a court case. Some of them, you're not going into court at all. Others you're just in court. Like it it changes, um, based on the needs of the story, which I think is really cool. Uh, yeah. Mm, Really quick. Yakuza like a dragon. Oh, Mm -hmm. so good. (laughs) Also. So, no, I won't be
0: taking any further questions. Yeah. No further questions. Also, actually something interesting. I want to talk about like a dragon.
1: (laughs) Um, so squid games out, uh, people have been watching squid game a lot. And of so course good. that, yeah, uh,
0: terrible ending, but so good. Yes.
1: Terrible ending, but very good. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you 100%, but there's an interesting, um, that, well, not interesting, that really stupid argument comes up again, of uh, dubs versus subs. And there's something interesting that I think, and maybe that isn't talked about so much, but like when it comes to, so for me personally, I'm just like, whatever gets you into media is great. Um, I don't care uh, more accessible options is, is excellent, but, um, mm-hmm. I do notice that there is a dissonance if you try watching a live action show with a dub, right? Because the actors, I mean, it's just, you can, it's, it's intrinsic. It's so hard to take a voice out of an actor and make another voice match. It, it takes a lot of work and a lot of skill to really match that. And it also just doesn't really work because the actor is speaking a language right so their mouth is voicing words but when you get into animation they're not voicing fucking anything <laughs>
0: like i mean nah.
1: <laughs> they're not they're not saying words man they're moving around and in, into extrapolations of it but they're not and like i find that the yakuza like a dragon dub is fucking incredible like it is so fucking good. In fact, I was watching Japanese clips and I went, nah, I can't do it. I just can't do it. It's not the same. Because, and a theory for me is that for a Japanese person, they recognize, obviously, in your own language, you recognize variations within voice very well, right? You'll recognize slight different dialects. You'll recognize, like we'd be full of shit if we could say that we know the difference between a Tokyo and a Kansai dialect. I don't fucking know. <laughs> like, right? But like for a Japanese person, it's, it's boom right away. Right. Like they would obviously know it. Um, and, but in English, I can hear the distinctions between the voices much better. And so like they do, and, and they hired a lot of Asian American and like actors for this too, which I think is really fucking Ooh. cool. So like, even sung one plays a character to the youtube personality he's got a he he voices one of the characters in this which is really cool and fucking masumi arakawa the main like patriarch is george takai like uh, he's amazing Damn. his voice yeah. is so good in this he's so powerful and gravelly and the guy who voices ichiban is incredible um and like it's just so good like it's it's genuinely so so good and so professional and it feels like every single voice that they found matches the person and that's what I think is so impressive like often in dubs even in anime dubs sometimes you'll see that it was a quick job where they just need someone to fucking make the voice you know and they don't really match the body type or like the personality that you would imagine for the character but in this case you're like no it's perfect like they really spent money and really like worked hard to make this dub excellent. And so I really recommend it. Uh yeah, that's that's my little rant about why you should really play the fucking like a dragon dub because it's amazing. <laughs> um or play with the subs, who cares? It's your life. Do whatever you want. Um but uh one other thing. This is an RPG and it does fall into a bit of the JRPG thing. You got to grind at a few points. There is a boss (laughs) that you'll hit. And the thing is, you're going to love this boss. Trust me. But fucking hard. (laughs) I was like, whoa, like suddenly it was tough. But what I will say this game does well is that it really um, foreshadows and it really warns you about what's coming. And it gives you a fun way to grind. So it gives you something with intrinsic reward. Like it it offers you really fun rewards for it. Like there's a battle arena at one point that it gives you. And then there's also like some dungeon areas that you can go do that give you fun rewards and also a few ways to level up quick. So is it a bit annoying? Yeah, but also it is pretty fun. So I'm kind (laughs) of fine with it. (laughs) Anyway, that's it. Uh, Rick, take us
0: home. Yes, let me jump in. Yeah, so we spoke about um, Oracle of Seasons. Uh, I started that. It's very pretty. I'm not far enough in to say anything more than that. Um, I'm also playing Ghost Trick Phantom Detective, although for me it's a replay, unlike Paolo's first experience. So I'm I'm definitely sort of dipping in and out, just playing a little bit at a time. Um, I'm in Chapter 3 with Best Boy Missile. Uh, I'm just about to leave him to move to a new area. Uh, And I'm very much enjoying sort of being back in it. Uh, I found that most of the puzzles have just come very quickly to me uh, through a combination of memory and sort of familiarity. But the the game just has such a charm to it, however you play it. It's been wonderful to dip back into it. Um, Ditto Valhalla, or VA11 Hall A, uh, which is a replay for me uh, to get the proper ending, because I, I fudged it and got the bad ending last time. Uh, but the new game plus lets you take all your money over, so it's basically a chance to play it again, have some fun with it again get the proper endings this time that game is such a not such a mood because that sounds so (laughs) (laughs) fluffy and nothing oh it's such a mood man like it's it it has such a an atmosphere a sense of place and time which is quite odd for a game that's set like in the distant cyberpunky future bar Hmm. situation uh but it's a wonderful game the characters feel very real very authentic um and you really do feel like a fly on the wall in this little middle-of-nowhere, like, dive bar in, in a future dystopic cyberpunk. Just hearing people's lives, what they're doing, how they're getting on, what they think about random stuff. It's just lovely. I, it, it's difficult to put into words just how special this game is. Um, I'm so excited for Nirvana, the follow-up that's coming, uh, and I'm really loving sort of being back in this world again uh, to get the proper endings, which is nice. Um I'm playing some more of Wario Land 4 for the Game Boy Advance. It's an interesting one, and and I'm not sure how much I said about this last week or how much of it's just blowing into when we did this recording last time. So (laughs) forgive me me (laughs) if you listened to an episode a couple of weeks ago and I'm saying exactly the same things over again. You can see very clearly the roots of what started in this game and became the shake dimension for the Wii. Mm. The interesting thing is, having retired that game quite quickly... I like this a lot more so far. Um, there's way more level variety, which helps. Um, I like the structure a little bit better, which helps. Um, they haven't got a fucking mobile three-star scoring system where it's like, collect three pink MacGuffins. Oh, score 25,000 fun points. Oh, collect the three items. <laughs> I just <sighs> don't care. And I, it actually benefits from not having that, even though you don't have to do it. like The fact that it there just annoys me. That was a sentence. Anyway, um, I love the pixel art a lot more. The The Wii version or the Wii game is beautiful. It does like a hand-drawn thing. But there's just something to be said for like great GBA, sort of 16-bitty pixel art. And Warrior Land 4 nails that. Um, mechanically, I think it's a little bit tighter as well. You haven't got the shake mechanic. Uh, you haven't got like random Wii tilting. And I thought it was well executed, but um, I am noticing having now moved to a D-pad and buttons um exclusively but i like that setup a little bit more um that actually the whole thing the shape dimension did didn't really give it anything extra in reality uh i am sort of slowly picking away at it um the the the, the level um not the level the the game design hasn't hooked me per se but I'm liking, sort of because um, I've got quite a few commutes on at the moment, so I'm liking dipping in mm. for 10 minutes, dipping out. Uh, it's got a great feature for a GBA game, for a GBA platformer, uh, in like a, a quick save type thing. So when you're in a level, if you hit quit, it will quick save you at the entrance to the room you were in. Nice. Uh, which I can't believe more games at the time didn't do that. It's such a no-brainer. Uh, and it, it, if it weren't for that one feature, I genuinely suspect I would have retired the game but it's facilitated me being able to play the game the way I want to play it, which is massive. Um, And then I've also got two PC games on a go. In and around all the Steam demos that we're playing we'll be talking about very, very soon, which is cool. Um, The first of those is Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. Uh, This is a game I've had as a freebie since like 2015. And um, in between demos, I thought, you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to sort out like my semi-bugged Ubisoft Connect installation and I'm going (laughs) to get this game to run. And, I mean, it, it's early 2010s Far Cry. It It's fine. TM, like, you're infiltrating bases. <laughs> you're throwing bait for, for these fucking blood dragon fever dream things that someone dreamt up for this DLC campaign. You know, it's it's okay. It's got a bow <laughs> and arrow, which was the style at the time. Uh, and, and the bow feels good. The stealth feels a little bit little bit dull but it works it's, you know it's all fine i do want to shout out and i know people have shouted it out before but the tutorials for blood dragon are the funniest shit i've ever seen
1: oh yeah i love that oh. That's it. i remember playing that
0: oh good if you do nothing else go and youtube far cry 3 blood dragon tutorial and just watch like the opening five minutes because it is laugh out loud funny it's like um press space bar to uh move your body in the Z axis, or you know, whatever it is, and there's just loads of pithy stuff like that little mm-hmm. like plays and mic transactions. It's just really, really good, good writing, good shit. Um, the game has got good writing as well around what is quite a mm-hmm. a, a, a by the numbers sort of standalone DLC situation. Um, the other game I've been playing is Sumire for PC. This is wonderful so far. Um, it's a short game on a little website called Com. Um, it's listed as having about three-hour completion. I'm um, about an hour in. Um, and the concept of the game is you play as the titular character. Um, she's lost her grandmother. Uh, her mum's sunk into a depression. Her dad's left. And um, this magical seed comes out of the sky. Um, can only be there until the sun sets, but promises that if she goes with, goes with him, I think it's him, it's sort of coded male, um, hopefully they'll be able to see her grandma again. And it's very sort of whimsical in its setup. The uh, the antagonists are like a band of crows, but very mildly sinister. Um, it's all like a storybook aesthetic. Everything moves a little bit cardboard cut but in quite a smooth way. The music is beautiful. There's there's like a, in the overworld sort of thing, there's a beautiful sort of acoustic track that has a few slight variations. And I just stopped for a couple of minutes the first time it played. It's really genuinely affecting. Um, the game, it deals with these really heavy themes, but juxtaposes them with this whimsical sort of childlike style. And there's something very emotive about it, very powerful. I love it so far. Um, It's one that sort of had high praise from a couple of creators and and writers that I follow. Um, And and so far, it's living up to every bit of the hype that it has been given. So um, I expect I'll have more thoughts on that by next episode. Uh, Provisionally, go go and check this game and its soundtrack out
1: it's on switch too it's on sale right now but if you're listening to this it's done but uh maybe not yeah. it's only like 20 bucks cad which means it's probably fucking way less than that <laughs> I,
0: I i paid 15 um gbp for mm-hmm. uh the game and the soundtrack yes. and i i feel like especially how good the soundtrack has been so far i feel like it's worth every penny full price I might go pick this then. up
1: this looks like a very much you game too paula <laughs> so Oh, oh,
0: 100%. I feel like you'd both get a massive kick out of this if the, the yeah. quality holds all the way through. Same. I
1: think I'll pick it up because it's pretty cheap right now. It's like 13 bucks on sale. I'm going to grab that. Cool. Okay. Well, why don't we move along then? Um, we'll try to go fairly quickly here with a question mm. uh, from our listeners from Nob.
0: How long has it been since we've done one of these?
1: Oh oy, about a month. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> Sorry, I'm wrong. Thank, thank you for, <laughs> and again, send us questions. We just don't have a lot of questions right now. So, you know, if you have questions for us, let us know in the Discord. Send it to HTML. What we're TV saying is podcast. it's not our fault.
0: That's what we're doing. Yeah, at gmail.com. Sorry, that, yeah, yeah,
1: that come on. <laughs> <HLTV laughs> at gmail.com. Send it that way, uh, or the Discord, or on uh, the How to Be forums. Just let us know if you got a question. Uh, so the question is, from Nalb, I'm listening to a few 12-minutes reviews, and I already know it's end plot twist. So going by that, what is the worst plot twist you've encountered in a video game? I mean, I'll go quick, the 12-minutes one. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually like actually though yes that actually is the worst plot twist i've seen in a video game but um i think maybe more realistically now also pointed out the one in bionic commando i think it's rearmed is maybe no bionic commando the ironically, 3D one
0: ironically no but ironic if it was yeah
1: yeah i think rearmed was the 2D one that they did um
0: correct yeah correct.
1: so the bionic commando the 360 one if you don't if you if you don't want spoilers for that game who are you but <laughs> but also skip 30 seconds basically his arm is his wife
0: It's <laughs> just like it's the most anime bullshit it's so dumb which is ironic because it's like a western remake yeah
1: but i mean yeah that's just that baloney stuff now for me i have to say okay i i love I, look i love the yakuza games all right i really truly do yakuza like a dragon has a really fucking dumb plot twist in it that like honest to god it happened and i just went (laughs) like this because i was like this this is so stupid who cares i'm not going to spoil what it is because i'm sure people want to play this and it doesn't really matter what the plot twist is really what matters is that yakuza games are video game soap operas they're ridiculous completely unrealistic like n- in no way shape or form are these games even trying to pretend that they present a real view of yakuza in the world definitely not um especially with their side quests it's all about friendship and love and family um and
0: you're it- telling me I won't find the japanese mafia doing karaoke and like serving <laughs> drinks and shit i mean, I mean maybe all been a lie <laughs> uh
1: one thing you definitely won't find is that you can solve all your problems with a couple well placed punches.
0: <laughs> I mean, to... No, that that's not true. I've been doing that all my life. <laughs> Have <you>? Okay, thank yeah. <laughs> you.
1: I just I just show up and I go, fight me, and then I beat them up. No one is really massively harmed, even though I slam their heads with bicycles <laughs> and we're all go home happy. Um but anyway, it has a really dumb plot twist that involves like family and stuff, and it, it's just It's it didn't it didn't need to be there. It just didn't have to be in the game. Like it genuinely, the game could have been the game without this thing, and it would have been fine. But like they put it in there, and you're like, what? And there's like plot twists every five minutes in Yakuza games that you're like, why am I supposed to care? Yakuza Zero is really (laughs) bad for this too. Like it's so often. And this is what I mean by soap operas. And this isn't a spoiler because I haven't played the other Yakuza games. But I'm gonna venture a guess that in the other Yakuza games. That there are multiple plot twists involving people being siblings and or related to each other <laughs> because like that seems to be the Yakuza plot twists in general is just like family things, right? Like I'm, I guarantee you in one of those games, there has to be something like that. And cause that's what you see in soap operas, right? Like the twin thing. If there isn't a twin thing in a Yakuza game, I, I will, I will be amazed there's got to be whoever's played the other Yakuza games. Tell me if they do something with twins at some point, because I'm guaranteed they probably do. Um, in like a dragon they do, but it's not a twist. It's just like, um, it's yeah, it's not a twist at all. It's just like one of the, you'll see when you play, if you play the game, uh, it's not like a big story plot twist. There's just like a twin thing that they do in it that I was like, of course this is happening. Of course there's twins in this part. Um, anyway, that's like like anyway that's for me the worst plot twist was in that one it was just silly and i couldn't care less uh what about for you two what, uh, pal, i've really got you rick You're gone,
0: yeah, oh, go yeah. I've, I've got two to be fair to be quick and one of them sort of involves pala because it's psychedelica of the ashen I, yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm sorry I, do you know what the worst thing is i don't remember what the twist was but when i was going through my completions earlier i saw it was like yeah that had a fucking awful one whatever it was <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, I agree. <laughs>
0: but those are the, be- the plot twists that you can't Ugh. even remember are the
1: fucking dumb ones, right? Where you're like, you're like, I don't even fucking remember, but I remember the twist being so stupid. Yeah, I remember that one, actually. I forgot
0: yeah. it out of spite, I'm certain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the other one, and I'm going to spoil this because it's a free phone game, yeah, and you're ahead. an idiot if you're playing it at this point, to be honest, because it's an old free phone game. Uh, and this was South Park Phone Destroyer. Oh, I didn't even know this
1: was a game. Okay.
0: And beyond that, it has a story-ish. Okay um and the 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 story is (laughs) forgettable in in that i've forgotten it but i remember how it ends and how it ends oh i was angry because what it does at the end and i forget how exactly it ties into the ending but the ending you get is determined by how much money you spent on the game literally
1: oh
0: they do like a grand reveal thing and there's one of three Uh... options i think and obviously i didn't spend a penny on it and the kids literally go Oh man, that's the worst one. How do they think the developers are getting paid for this as they walk off screen? Oh I was incensed.
1: Oh that's terrible.
0: Mm. Yeah, so the, the plot twist is like your in-game purchases determine the ending. And that's... I've I've n ne- I've never felt better about not spending a penny on a game.
1: Yeah. Like I oh yeah. Look, I love South Park sometimes, but sometimes their their work is like satire without the thought.
0: <laughs> no, like... Oh, listen! I, I, I have no intention of pinning this on Trey Parker or Matt Stone. As far as I'm no, concerned, no. this was very much a Ubisoft thing. Maybe, maybe they saw it and were like, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Like, I, I feel like this is this is someone like slaving away in a Ubisoft cube who's like just past the Rubicon. They were just doing like dark humor shit, and it's like, yeah, maybe that's funny to you, but the poor I, fucks I, like we don't get
1: paid anyway. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm the player who you're essentially guilting for not spending money on the game that you're giving away for free. Yeah, Fuck you. that's oh. so
1: weird too. It's not like you pirated it. It's like you, you, you guys gave it to me for free. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: That's shitty. But
0: yeah, Pala, what
1: about you?
3: To think, because at um, the very least, there is one plot twist that I hated because I felt like. It wasn't like really earned by the game and there's like a couple of plot twists that one of them was like, I wish the plot twist was other thing. And the other one is the, the plot twist led, I don't want to say nowhere, but they didn't like to take advantage of it. So there's going to be a spoilers for, uh, first of all, uh, Persona 5. Rick, are what? you editing this yeah,
0: week? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna mute you.
1: No, I'm editing edit. this week, so don't worry. I've played it, Paula. Go
0: ahead.
2: <laughs>
3: right. When okay. you're, if
0: you're on your back, I'm taking my headphones off. For sure.
3: Yep. So the part that really grinds my The thing about Persona 5 is that the way they do the plot, it feels like I want to say that kind of works at times and when they mm-hmm. do like all the fancy terminology is like it feels pretentious overall, mm. but also there's this one particular thing about pancakes like oh, I don't remember like this one character like makes us leap up like very, very very early in the game, and it pretty much you you know what uh what he is you know what he did mm. um it's about uh, what was his name again the the, the detective no. The oh, detective. The detective. I, his
1: name. I don't remember his name at all, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I don't know the pancake thing though. I think I know the detective. Ugh, I don't actually, I can't. Yeah. Remember. Like, since like
3: Morgana said something about pancakes and he, okay. uh, and he actually reacted to something Morgana said and people don't usually aren't gotcha. usually people able to decide what the cat
1: says. Yeah. We're here. Uh,
3: so yeah, like, Oh, that was like that giveaway very early in the game. Hmm. And at the very end of the game, they tried to make it look like, oh, the phantom tips knew it, like all along who this character was and what his motive was. So they did like this whole trap thing. And uh, I'm sorry, but the, the like at the very least, and like in personal, five vanilla like the phantom tips aren't like, I they they like the main cast of characters was a real disappointment after Persona 4 Golden, Mm. and the whole, oh, but we knew from the very beginning that uh, the detective was the culprit for this one thing. And I'm like, no, you don't. You've been, like, faffing around for the whole game, and 100 (laughs) hours later, now you decided you have a brain... Sorry, that was (laughs) you mean, but... That's okay. But, but yeah, like, that particular plot is, like, very angry. Like, it, it, like I, I almost, like, rage, rage with the game because it was so dumb.
1: Okay. Can we bring Rick um, back
3: now? Are we good? Rick, Rick can go. Okay. Yeah, you can come back now.
1: Rick, you may return. The spoilers have ended, and for those who have just come back, welcome back.
3: <laughs> welcome back. Yeah. Uh, the, the second spoiler, the second plot twist that is more like I wish the plot twist was another thing altogether. Mm. Uh spoilers for thirteen sentinels.
1: Sounds good. You're just like, in the spoilers <laughs> world, aren't you? Okay, good.
3: <laughs> so yeah, like
0: hang on what?
3: What? It's like I haven't played like many games like, with bad plot twists. But the I saw Persona Five has like the worst plot twist okay, I've okay, seen in a while. <laughs> What's the Thirteen Sentinels one? We're going in line. Thirteen <laughs> Sentinels, it was more like I wish the the plot twist wasn't like they were like in these um because it really like lowers the stakes of everything that was happening. I really didn't, and it really didn't like explain a lot, like um, uh, these couple of characters that were like losing their memory because of nanomachines. And it's like, do they have, like, nanomachines like, in real life? <laughs> uh, so this is how they pretty much dream. Also, like, it, like, the, the thing is, it being a simulation, like, kind of, like, takes away the purpose of having, like, these machines that were supposed to be for building the new civilization. So I kind of wish it wasn't a simulation. Uh, it, like, they, they were, like, actually fighting giant robots with giant robots and then they survive and whatever yeah, um
1: i'll be frank with you i can't remember shit from that game because that was a rage fueled heat month <laughs> of my life <laughs> yeah you
0: picked the wrong time to play that game really i really did <laughs> yeah i i have to say i fundamentally disagree with that being a bad plot twist but we do not have the time to have that oh, no and we've had it we too many times it, <laughs>
1: and i'm not cultural. saying it
3: I'm not saying that it's a bad plot twist, because it was, I was actually like foreshadowed really, really well.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you can okay. also foreshadow uh, but wish things it w- well and still be dumb, you know? Like, I can know what's coming and not like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I also uh, have yeah. to make a, a real quick shout-out for a game that you reminded me of, Paolo, when you were like, mm-hmm. uh, a plot twist that you didn't earn or didn't make any sense. And I like this game, but Narita Boy's plot twist... Oh, to, yeah. Uh, oh yeah the guy the guy was actually your dad all along and actually we're just going to steal the ending from back to the future for no reason i, I thought that was pretty dumb
1: yeah i didn't like that yeah. either
3: um yeah. nice oh and the final one um oh, was, was it one was one. more like a, there was once one more plot twist and this is for um pokemon uh, sun and moon and it's like a little part of the plot twist <laughs> that I feel like they didn't take full advantage of. Mm-hmm. Because you have this foundation that is like, oh, future foundation, they're like, uh, trying to preserve, like, and then your Pokemon and stuff like that. Uh, because Hunter's <laughs> the and stuff like that. Uh, the thing about future foundation is that they're actually, like, bad guys of the game. And not only that, like, the the, the, the I won't say that the head of Peter van like president of of the company, that was very well executed, like, damn. But there's, at the very, very end of the game, when you battle her, she actually fuses with an Ultra Beast that is like a Pokémon from another dimension, but you don't battle her, you battle her Pokémon team. And I'm like, why you had this one chance to make something like very cool and very special and then like an actual Pokemon battle where you don't even know what the rules are.
1: Yeah, but Pala, you just said it. They had one chance to make something really cool and special. You think Pokemon Company's going to do that? Come on.
0: That First? sounds like effort. I mean, Come we on. already have the game. <laughs> okay, why would we not?
1: Yeah, they're not going to do that. Uh, all right. Well, why don't we wrap up there just because oh, yeah. we have already run very long. Sorry, everyone. We're long winded. We like to talk. We're talking talks <laughs> which is probably half my fault. I talked way too much this episode. Sorry, everyone. Let's keep going on to our next one, which is...
0: How, How long to be did, the game. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I heard you guys I, coming in. I kind in. of put myself back to the beginning of the episode where we do that all together. That was kind of tragic. That's okay,
1: fine. I sort of oh. hope you're going to keep going. I like that. All right, well, I already rolled this game, um, and this is one that I've never heard of. Um, but it looks neat. It's called heart of darkness for the PS one.
0: Ooh. Yeah. I'm going to fucking clue.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know the Ugh. novel heart of darkness, but heart of Dark. which this is not what it is based on. <laughs> just to give you, just to be clear here. Not at all. It's like a little kid with what looks like a futuristic laser gun, a, a dog and a big old scary dude. It had, it got reviewed really well. Um, Oh. Came out in nineteen ninety eight. I mean, I don't know about super super well, I guess. But it like it had like seven point eights. Um Game Informer it gave it like nine and a half stars. Um but then other places also rated it poorly. It looks like it was all over the place. Um let's see, what 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 is this uh describe? The game places players in the role of a child named Andy as he attempts to rescue his dog who has been kidnapped by shadow like specters. The game um
0: Oh, hang on. Is this um What's pla- what platform is this for? PlayStation. It was also on Windows. No, PlayStation.
1: PlayStation.
0: Oh, I'm thinking of a completely different game. With like a, a woman on the front, but it's the same colour scheme almost as this. Yeah, one. N-
1: different game. Oh
0: yeah. uh, I'm glad I Googled because I would have been guessing for like yeah, something completely different. <laughs>
1: um Yeah, I mean it's a platformer, so
0: ooh, okay.
1: Yeah,
0: do you know what? But I think the PlayStation
1: version. So like, it 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 seems to me like this was initially. Yeah, because like the reviews sound like they're talking about this game from a different time.
0: Oh, like it was almost a a remake or a re-release. Yeah, it's listed as PC as well. Yeah, but they were at the same time. Oh, I don't know. Interesting. Oh, I see
1: maybe it's just that oh, it was demoed in 97 yeah. and
0: stuff i'm gonna go out on a limb so i despite the fact that we've been stitched up multiple times by playstation games being far longer than we think they are the fact that this is a cinematic platformer mm-hmm. for the playstation leads me to believe it's probably a short again so i'm to five yeah, five, I, 5 it
3: i
1: think it's a short game no, I mean,
3: yeah i wanted to five 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 5 it too um
0: 5 hours 5 persons 5 doors. Oh, that's a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: I got the reference. <laughs>
1: um Yeah, I mean cinematic platformer. It's like Yeah, I don't know. I'm doing the same thing. Honestly, th- this isn't as uh, exciting of an episode, but I mean, should we reveal? They We're do, all doing 5 they, hours.
0: <laughs> they can't all be deep space wife.
1: Exactly. They can't all be so, Okay, yeah. Heart of Darkness is main story 5 hours. <laughs> Main plus extras, five and a half hours. Completionist, fifteen hours. No, I'm kidding. It's six hours. Oh (laughs) my
2: god. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That
0: means
1: no change on the leaderboard this week. Uh, Rick's ninety-two. I'm ninety-two. And Paula is eighty. So we're all.
0: It's a it's a close race for that OLED switch that's on the line.
1: It's close. Two more episodes, really, <laughs> frankly, could could hit the 100 mark. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, That'd be
0: just in time for our one year anniversary. Yeah. Which, FYI, guys, is coming up.
1: It's coming up, <laughs> it is. It's coming up pretty oh my for almost a year now. <laughs> crazy. Um, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next week. I'll do
3: this. Peace. Bye.